Hey boys and girls, welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind. It's Monty's Rockcast. And now here's your host, Monty Calvin. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Calvin. Yes, he is. So glad you could join me for yet another exciting and fun-filled episode. I've got a lot to cover today, so I think I'll just jump right into it with a question from Rockcast listener Paul Stenning. And Paul sent me an email, and uh, let me just look it up here. Yeah, okay. He says, hey, Monty, how's it going? I cannot wait to hear his answer to that one. Oh, well, thanks for asking, Paul. As a matter of fact, there's been so much going on the last month or so. We had those Galactic Cowboy shows in Texas, and, uh, you know, I could tell you all about that, but I don't know that anyone would care. Probably not. I mean, they were pretty awesome, if I say so myself. Yeah, right. But I don't want to bore anybody talking about my band all the time. Too late. But, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, what the hell? Why don't I just give you a complete recap of my week in Texas? Who wants to listen to that? Okay, so if you know anything about my band Galactic Cowboys, you know that we don't play very often. Uh, We don't tour anymore, and uh, we rarely do any live shows. And the main reason for that is it's very difficult for our schedules to coincide with each other. And the last time we played was about two years ago. We did a record release party. And I thought we'd do more after that, but we never did. But about five or six months ago, we finally all agreed that we could do two shows in September. One on the 12th in Houston and one on the 14th in Fort Worth, Texas. And of course, I don't live in Houston anymore where the rest of the guys do. So I had to pack the car up and drive down there on the Monday before the first show. And I left at 6 in the morning, and I knew it takes about 12 hours to drive down there. And the plan was to get there that evening, set up our stuff, and maybe run through a couple of songs that night. But I was just a few hours away from home when I get this text from Ben. And it said his cousin, Eric Singer, who is the drummer for KISS had left us four tickets for the KISS concert that night in Houston. And so I texted Ben back and said, Oh yeah, let's go. And so I hauled ass across Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas and got to Ben's house that night around 6.30. And Dane and Alan showed up around 7. We jumped in an Uber and got to the arena. And sure enough, waiting for us at Will Call were four tickets and four backstage passes. And so we went in and we went to this area where they were going to have a meet and greet. And there was probably 50 to 100 people down there who were waiting to get in. And I was told by two or three different people that uh, all these people in there had paid $1,000 to go in and meet KISS. Which, yeah, is kind of crazy, but, uh, you know, I didn't have to pay, so I was excited. 
But we stood down there for about an hour, and they finally started letting people in, and we stood in line for a while. But we finally get up there to where they were, and we look in this little room, and they're all standing there taking pictures with these fans. And they're in full makeup, and the costumes, and they look really cool. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to us and says, all right, how many you got? And we go, four. And he goes, all right, go on in. And I was the first to walk in, and they all just held their fist out, and you were just supposed to fist bump them, which I did. And I was like, hey, Eric, hey, Gene, hey, Paul, hey, Tommy. And three of them actually looked at me. Uh, Paul did not. He just kind of acted like, uh, could we please get this over with? Mm-hmm. But, of course, my main thing is I just wanted to meet Gene. And I had worn my Gene Simmons t-shirt, and I stood right in front of him. And we all got into place, and they had a photographer standing there, and she snapped off a couple of pictures. And as she was taking those, uh, I could feel Gene doing something behind my back. And as it turned out, he was actually taking my backstage pass laminate and holding it up so you could see his picture on my t-shirt. And after the picture, I turned around and I said, thanks, Gene. And he fist bumped me again and smiled. And then we were ushered out of there. Wow. Yeah, the whole thing lasted probably 10 seconds. Uh, We didn't get any autographs. We didn't uh, get to really talk to him. And honestly, if I'd have paid a thousand bucks for that, I would have been pissed. But uh, it was free. And so I was thrilled. Getting to fist bump Gene Simmons and take a picture with him was one of the cooler things that's ever happened to me. And that in itself would have been enough, but uh, we went and found our seats, and they were great seats. They were right down close to the stage, and uh, God, what a show. When the pyro went off, you could actually feel your skin burning. And even though it was the same exact show that I'd seen a couple of weeks earlier in St. Louis... Uh, man, it was just an amazing time. You can't forget me, baby. Don't try to lie. You'll never leave me, mama. So don't try. I'll be a gambler, baby. And lay down the bed. You get together, mama. was a great way to start the week off. Uh, I stayed at Ben's for a couple of days while we practiced, 
And each morning we drive out to Allen's and practice in his house. Uh, He's got a really nice studio. It's where we recorded the last album. And after the first day, we were actually feeling really good about things. Uh, You know, uh, we still had some roughness to work out, but uh, overall we were kind of feeling good about it. And by Thursday morning, we were ready to go. We uh, ran through a couple of songs and then packed up our gear. And while the other guys went home and got ready for the show that night, I went to the airport and picked up Lindsay, who was flying in from Kansas City. And it was so good to see her. I'd been away for a few days, and, uh, you know, when I picked her up, she had on this hot little outfit. And it was just everything I could do to keep from, uh, you know, pulling off to the side of the road. Oh, boy! But I didn't. Oh. I went to the hotel instead. We checked in. And then we headed right over to the club for soundcheck. Bummer. And to be honest, soundcheck didn't really go that well. With the club being empty, it kind of sounded like crap. And I thought, you know, this may be a long night. But fortunately, when we got on later, the place had filled up with people and it sounded a whole lot better. We played a long two-hour set and I was just about beat by the end of it. But the crowd was just so good to us and they were really into it. And there was a group of like four or five guys over on my side of the stage and they were just going crazy the whole night. And after every show, we always go out and talk to people and hang out with them. And these young guys that were back there uh, just came up to me afterwards and they were just like so excited. And they looked like they were in their 20s, which was really cool. And uh, I don't know if they'd ever heard of us, uh, but uh, they were just completely into it. And they were like, man, what a show. What a great time, man. Uh, This was my bachelor party and uh, we just loved it. And so that was very cool. Uh, I also saw a lot of people that I knew. My buddy Angel was there. Uh, Ed Anderson came and gave me a Thin Lizzy hat. And I saw a lot of old friends from Houston, but there were others that came from great distances. I talked to people who had come from Michigan. Joseph Glenn flew in from North Carolina. It was great to meet him. And believe it or not, Brendan Casey brought his friend Mono Mono all the way from Ireland. And that just blew my mind. And I was talking to Brendan after the show, and he was telling me that he wrote me a letter when he was 14 years old. And he's been a fan ever since. And he said, you know, I've looked all these years for another band that sounds like Galactic Cowboys, and there isn't one. Say what you want about him. The man knows what he's talking about. And so the first show was great. Everyone seemed to have a good time. And uh, the next day, we had the day off. And so Lindsay and I decided to take a little trip down to Galveston and go to the beach. And I drove for quite a while, and we ended up running onto this beach that apparently nobody else knew about. Because there was virtually nobody around, and uh, we got out of the car, and we went into the ocean, and we frolicked. Oh, yeah! Uh, I'll spare you the details in case there's any youngsters listening, but let me just tell you, that was the highlight of the entire week for me. I bet it was! The next day, Lindsay and I got up, and we drove up to the Dallas-Fort Worth area to the Haltom Theater. And the band did a sound check, and then we did a meet and greet that people had actually paid for to come and get a picture with us. There's no way. Yeah, believe it or not. 
However, unlike the kiss meet and greet that I told you about earlier where people were uh, herded through like cattle, we talked to everybody, we signed posters and uh, CD covers and anything you wanted. And I just really appreciated everybody showing up. It was really touching, actually. And once again, there was people who had flown in from Seattle and Atlanta and come from uh, Louisiana. My friend Justin flew in from Nashville. Uh, Dan the Man Cunningham came all the way from Maine. And I even had a couple of Missouri boys come and see us. Uh, Matt from KC was there, and Matt from St. Louis brought his son Cameron. And I love it when parents bring their kids to our shows. There was this kid there that looked like he was about 10 or 11, and he had an Iron Maiden shirt on, and I was like, how cool is that? And Brad Duran brought his boys with him, and they were just totally into it the whole show. And I just love it when I see kids loving the same music as their parents, because I have three, and none of them care anything about rock, metal, or me. Sad but true. In fact, Lindsay was going to bring the boy on the trip with her, and she said, Hey, uh, how'd you like to go see your dad playing his rock band? And he was like, Eh, I think I'll just stay home. No thanks. I'm good. Anyway, a lot of cool people were there for the show on that Saturday night, and I think we sufficiently crushed all of their skulls. Uh, Total 100% destruction is the goal. As far as the set list, we did five songs off the new album. We did a whole bunch of stuff off the first album. We did Make Me Smile, Mrs. Leslie, and Where Are You Now off of Space In Your Face. And we even did three songs off of Machine Fish. We did uh, The 9th of June, Stress, and Feel the Rage. And I'm going to be honest right now. Uh, While we were doing the song Feel the Rage, uh, something happened that pissed me off. And I'm not going to tell you what it was that made me mad. Uh, It didn't have anything to do with the guys in the band or anything like that. But let's just say that I was upset while I was playing that song, and I have never played it with such rage in me. But you know, it's just one of those things. It's live, we're humans. Nothing that you see or hear is on tape or coming out of a computer. It's just all raw and in the moment. And at that particular moment, I was feeling the rage. Take a trip, step outside of this fishbowl life. Voice recalled, ceramic youth in pots of broken Go wish, Cleon 
By the time we did If I Were a Killer off of Space in Your Face and into the show, I was in a good mood again. And by the time we came back and did four more songs for an encore, I was exhausted. However, the night was not over. I still hung out for a while with some fans and signed more posters and took more pictures. And then I packed up my car with equipment and the seven bases that I had brought along for the trip. And I told the guys in the band how great it was to see them, and then I took Lindsay back to the hotel. And when we arrived there, it was about three in the morning, and that's when I realized, oh, I forgot my bag back at the theater. Go! So I drove back to the theater, got my bag, and finally got back to the hotel about 3.30. The next day, we got up, we hit McDonald's for a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, and then I had an eight-hour drive back to Kansas City ahead of me. So I cranked some tunes, drove about 90, and when I got back, the cats looked at us like, where the hell have you been? And there was a putrid stench coming from our garage. I still don't know what that smell is, but I do know that uh, it was a good week in Texas. Take a trip, step outside of this fish Okay, I'm going to answer some questions now. Some of them are from you guys, and others are from Facebook. And someone posted this the other day. It was a thing called, Have You Ever? And there's about 20 questions on here, and I thought I'd just go through them real quick. Starting at number one. Have you ever smoked weed? (laughs) Well, a lot of people have told me in the past when they listen to my podcast, uh, it sounds like I'm stoned. Right. But the honest to God truth is, no, I've never smoked the marijuana. So I may sound like a stoner, but no, I'm not. You're smoking the pot, aren't you? Question number two. Have you ever popped pills? Well, once again, I may sound like it, but no, I'm not a druggie. However, I do have to take medication for my type 2 diabetes and for my kidney stone problem. So technically, I do pop pills, but uh, not for recreational purposes. Uh, Too bad. Number three, have you ever went streaking? Well, I was a teenager in the 70s, and there was a crazy fad back then called streaking. Do I need to see that? And yes, I did do it one time, but I don't think anybody saw me, so it doesn't really count. He's naked! Number four, have you ever skinny dipped? I would love to know. Uh, well, you may not want to hear this, but yes. Ooh! I've actually skinny dipped several times, and most recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago in Texas. Ho-ho! Yeah, well, I told you we frolicked. I understand. You're sick freaks. I get it. All right, let's just keep it moving. Uh, Number five, have you ever been arrested? You should be. Uh, No, never been to jail. Uh, Number six, have you ever gotten into a fist fight? Uh, No, I never have, uh, but Lindsay actually popped me in the mouth one night. But that was my fault. Uh, I made the mistake of taking her phone and throwing it into the yard. (laughs) Jeez, man. Yeah, I've kind of learned over the years there's some things you never want to say to a woman, but you definitely never want to mess with their phone. Mm Mm-hmm, I know that's right. Number seven is, have you ever gotten drunk? 
And the answer is no. What? Yeah, it's true. In fact, I've never drank a beer. I've had so many people over the years tell me that beer tasted like shit that I thought, well, why would I want that? I have tried wine. I don't like it. And every now and then I would drink a little bit of a margarita and that was okay. But I just never drank enough to get drunk. And so I don't even know what it's like to be drunk and therefore I have a hard time relating to people who are drunk. And over the years I've had a lot of bad experiences with people who like to drink and get drunk and alcoholics and it's just uh, kind of a bad thing for me. I've seen it ruin people's lives. And so I've just always kind of stayed away from alcohol. Which is just weird. Number eight, have you ever wrecked a car? Uh, no, I had a little fender bender when I was in college, but that was about it. Uh, number nine, have you ever egged somebody's house? Nope, never done that either. Uh, I think I'd really have to hate somebody to do that. And I can think of one or two people who might be candidates for that, but I never have. Number 10, have you ever played Ding Dong Ditch? Ooh, hot. Oh, hot. yeah, right. that's hot. Wow, well, uh, that sounds like something I would do with my wife. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. That's probably where you ring somebody's doorbell and then run. Uh, yeah, no, I've never done that. I think everybody needs to go take a cold shower. Number 11, have you ever been suspended? No. Uh, number 12, have you ever been expelled? No. You see, I was just never that big of a rule breaker. When I was in school, I never got in trouble. I never skipped school. In fact, I'll never forget my senior year of high school. I had something that I had to take out to my car. And I was walking back from the parking lot, and there's the principal standing out there. And he's like, hey, what are you doing, Monty? And I said, I was putting something in my car. And he was like, oh, okay, well, I heard somebody was skipping out, and I knew it wouldn't be you. And I went, yeah, right. So, yeah, most of these just won't apply to me. Like, uh, 13, have you ever pulled a fire alarm? No. 14, TP'd somebody's property? No. And I'm sure all this stuff is just loads of fun. I just, uh, you know, I just never bothered. In fact, while all of you were out there partying and having wild teenage sex, I was at home practicing my guitar. <coughs> what a geek! Uh, let's see. Number 15. Have you ever stolen something? Hmm, let me think. Uh, well, does downloading albums off the internet count? I don't think so. Uh, okay, then no. Number 16. Have you ever gotten a ticket? Well, yeah. I've got numerous tickets for uh, speeding. I got a ticket one time for having expired tags. And last winter, I got a ticket because my car was sitting out in front of my house and it got towed. Ah! Number 17, have you ever drag raced? <laughs> no. Do you actually think I've ever owned a car that you could drag race in? I'm just lucky if they run, period. And finally, let's just get through it. 18, have you ever gotten a felony? No. 19, have you ever graffitied something? No. And 20, have you ever been kicked out of class? No. And now that I think about it, a uh, better name for this list should have been, uh, have you ever done anything? You're so boring. 
So now that you know a little bit more about me, uh, let's move on to some of your questions. And I've got several here from Brady in Arkansas. And the first one is about Galactic Cowboys. It says, uh, are there any GC songs that stood out for having undergone a big amount of changes from the initial writing stages to the final product? Well, yeah, Brady, good question. I can think of several that are kind of like that. I wrote Speak to Me off the first album on my couch on an acoustic guitar. And by the time we finished recording it, it turned into an 11-minute epic. We just kept adding all those instrumental things in the middle, and it just got longer and longer. It's too long. Another one kind of like that was Still Life of Peace, a hidden track off of Space in Your Face. I had the melody for the verses and uh, that big heavy riff. And I asked Ben if he had any lyrics, and he did. Uh, They were about a guy looking at a painting. And we worked it up in the practice room, and initially uh, it was just kind of raw and basic and just heavy. But when we finally got in the studio, we just started adding all this, uh, you know, tablas and sitar. And we had a cello player come in there. And by the time we finished it, once again, it had turned into this big, huge, crazy epic. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
All right, Brady has another question, and this one is, which relatively well-known people have you met and been surprised with their attitude? Overly nice, very rude, or whatever? Well, I've met a couple of musicians who I feel are geniuses, and they were both really nice. I met Ginger Wildheart a couple of times, and he was just so nice to me. And he was even asking me questions about Crunchy, and uh, that just made my day. And another genius songwriter that I've loved since high school is Kerry Livgren, and I met him. And I was kind of surprised to find out that he knew who Galactic Cowboys were. Uh, He was asking me questions about some of my songs, and he asked me to sing on one of his songs, and then he took me out to dinner. So I have nothing but the highest respect for that guy. I also met Adam Sandler while we were doing Airheads, and I was totally surprised how nice that guy was. He didn't know us, uh, well, from Adam, uh, but uh, he just uh, hung out with us and joked around, and uh, just a great guy. But as far as musicians, uh, you know, Dimebag Daryl, super cool, Uh, you know, Billy Sheehan, cool, the guys in Dream Theater, really cool. Now, who wasn't? Uh, well, Chris Cornell. He was kind of, uh, well... Just say it! He was, uh... Say it! Not very friendly. Couldn't have said it better myself. I also got a question from Carl Winkleman, and he said, Hey, Monty, what are your top five movies? Okay, Carl, well, uh, let's see. Uh, In no particular order, I'm gonna go with Say Anything. That had John Cusack in it, it was hilarious, it was kind of romantic, and I loved it. I'm a big fan of John Hughes movies, and so I'll go with Sixteen Candles as another one. I thought that movie was hilarious. A third one would be Tommy, a movie uh, that had The Who in it. I saw it when I was in high school, and it made me want to play rock and roll. You watch it now, and it probably seems a little dumb and cheesy, but uh, back then, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. The soundtrack was awesome, I liked the story, and it had Anne-Margaret in it. And back then, I thought she was super hot. Next, uh, I'm going to go with a movie that I watch it every single time it comes on TV. And so, therefore, it must be one of my favorites of all time, and I'm going to go with Step Brothers. I love Will Ferrell, and once again, I must say, that movie was hilarious. And rounding it out at number five, I'm going to say Goodfellows. I love a good gangster movie, and that one was great. Honorable mentions, I will say Office Space. That should have probably been in my top five. And a movie that truly changed my life was The Kids Are All Right, a documentary about the Who. Who? But there you go, Carl. Thanks for the question, and I hope you all enjoyed hearing my answers. It felt like an eternity. While I'm on the subject of movies, I thought I'd give you a quick movie review. Recently, Lindsay and I went to see the Rob Zombie movie in the theater, Three from Hell. You're probably saying, oh, Monty, I didn't know you were into horror movies. And, well, no, I'm not. But Lindsay is, and she's a big fan of all the Rob Zombie movies. And she was so excited to see this. She was talking about it for months and months. 
And it had a brief run in a movie theater near us, so uh, she bought tickets in advance. And I didn't really want to see it at all, but uh, she offered to buy me popcorn, so I agreed. I mean, yeah. Now, I don't know if you know anything about this movie, but it's a sequel to the movie The Devil's Rejects. And I had already been forced by Lindsay to see that one, and I gotta say, I hadn't really enjoyed it that much. It was extremely sick and uh, not really my thing. But when we get to the theater, The Devil's Rejects is playing, and Lindsay says, well, they must just be doing a recap. And so we go to our seats, not realizing, no, uh, they're going to play the entire movie before the new one. And so it takes about two hours to get to the movie that we actually came to see. But Lindsay was just so into it. She was telling me about all these different characters. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. And I keep watching it. And the whole time I'm just thinking, God, I just don't get it. Uh, This just seems like it sucks. It seemed like there was a lot of bad acting, a lot of overacting. And a lot of the things that were happening were just kind of implausible. But I sat there and watched the whole thing, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to ruin it for her. I know she really loves this stuff. She's probably going to say it was awesome, and I'll just smile. But when the movie ended and we walked out of there, I said, well, what'd you think? And she said, "Uh, wow, was that ever disappointing? And I said, really? You thought that too? And she said, yeah, not good. It was horrible. So three from hell. I'm going to give it uh, one and a half bloody metal skulls. The half is for the movie. Uh, The one bloody metal skull is for the popcorn. Oh my gosh, that is so delicious. Let's do a top ten list now. And this one comes from James Ross, who, by the way, was at both shows in Texas recently. And it was really good to see him. And uh, he has sent me a list of Wild Heart songs that he thinks the Galactic Cowboys should do a cover of. And it starts out at number 10 with John of Violence. Number 9, Tim Smith. Number 8, Rooting for the Bad Guy. And James says, this sounds like it should have been a Galactic Cowboys song.
Number seven on James's list is the Jackson Whites. Number six is 29 Times the Pain. Number five, Pilo Erection. Definitely my favorite song off the new album. Uh, number four is Caprice, one of my favorites of all time. Number three, Sucker Punch, which is my favorite Wild Heart song of all time. Number two, Jonesing for Jones, which is an awesome song. And the number one Wild Heart song that James thinks that the Galactic Cowboys should do a cover of, Nita Nitro. Well, thanks for that list, James. Great job. And Nita Nitro, God, one of my favorite songs ever by the Wild Hearts. And if by some chance you haven't had the privilege of hearing it, uh, well, let me do this for you right now. Say goodbye 
right, let's wrap things up with some odds and ends. First up, I was sad to hear that Eddie Money and Rick Ocasek passed away. I was a fan of both of them in the late 70s and early 80s. Unfortunately, most people will probably only remember Eddie Money for two tickets to paradise or some cheesy singles, or maybe that really hideous reality show that he did toward the end of his life. But the truth is, his first two albums were actually really good. Especially his first one, it rocked, and uh, I used to practice my guitar to it when I was first learning how to play. As far as Rick Ocasek, I loved the cars, and he wrote some really good songs. But the thing I've always respected the most about Rick Ocasek is that uh, he was never that great looking, but he was married to a supermodel. And that is awesome. Yeah, yeah it is. The other thing I wanted to mention is please go check out my websites. MontyColvinArt.com is where I've got a bunch of cool paintings of rock stars and celebrities. And MontyColvin.net is where you can find Rockcast t-shirts, my crunchy CDs, and a lot of cool pictures. I just put up a bunch of photos that some of the fans took at those Galactic Cowboy shows. And I also just added some hot pics to the Hot Lindsay modeling page. Well, you have my attention now. Feel free to email me with any comments or thoughts that you might have or questions or top ten lists. You can find my contact information on either of my websites or you can find me on Facebook. I did not know that. And finally, I wanted to tell you about a really cool album that I discovered a couple of days ago. It's by a band called Starset, and the name of the CD is Divisions. And I actually saw them playing live on a TV show a couple of years ago. I think it was like a metal awards show or something, and they were really strange. They were dressed up like spacemen, and I didn't really know what to think other than, yeah, this might be cool. So I got this new album, I think it's their third, and uh, I heard they're from Ohio, and uh, I listened to it, and I was kind of blown away. The melodies are great, they've got some kind of atmospheric keyboards going on, kind of like Nine Inch Nails, and I just really love this album, and so I'm going to take you out with a song off of it. So I hope you like it, let me know, but uh, that's going to do it for me for now. But I will be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this is Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like. Unless it's me. And rock on. In a restless search for new opportunities and new ways of living. The mystery and the promise of distant horizons always have called men.
promise of the unseen and its promise of the unknown has forever fathered the impulse to seek for new things in new places. New Horizons. This has been Monty's Rockcast. The end.